When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire's second entry in our summer preview series where we're going to talk about every single Big Ten team in a length of time that is roughly the span of the season. We're going in reverse order. We've wrapped up Indiana last week. This week is Northwestern. Let's talk about the cats, right? Let's talk about the cats, baby. Let's talk about Skowronski. Let's talk about all the picks that might be thrown by Hylivski. And uh, this is why I can't really, I can't, I'm not really in good shape to do this two days after Detroit City. So we'll have to do that in post. But anyway, I'm Steve Braun, a.k.a. Thumpersaurus. I'm here with Andrew Koscheski, my Michigan State contributor and podcast host for this is going to be our sixth season that we're doing once we get into the season. But the promise of this year's off-season preview series is that we will have a contributor for every team represented on our podcast. And so tonight's guest is the esteemed MN Wildcat, the head honcho, the man in the captain's chair, how are you feeling? <laughs> I'm still recovering from that song. I didn't know what you were going to run with Skaronsky, and it uh, it shows how forgettable Ryan Holinsky is, which we can get into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I am just all sorts of shaken. Good evening, gentlemen. As as our main goal with our contributors is to one, make sure you are fully shook within 30 seconds of joining the podcast, <laughs> and it's also mainly a blame diffusion method so that. Um, when our verbal shit posting uh, comes under criticism, we can we can we have an appropriately colored shield to hold up in front of us, uh, in front of the fans of your school, and many Medill grads will be redirected into your inbox as a result of your participation on this podcast. So we thank you for that. You bet. I'm going to split the hell out of it, out of an infinitive. Let's get after this. <laughs> so. Um, Northwestern. I mean, the, the Pat Fitzgerald approach to last season, and we, this is of course a, a good comparison point. We have last week's episode, Tom Allen, where after a disaster of a season, he replaced both of his coordinators. They had 29 hmm. players transfer out about an equal number come in between transfers and recruits um, at most of the important positions, basically except offensive line. Um, how did Pat Fitzgerald respond to last year's terribly disappointing campaign for Northwestern uh, by belligerently asking whoever posed the question to him, why would we change anything? You, you think you know how to do my job better than me? Real football doesn't involve scoring all these points, which is why Northwestern only cracked 25 once in 2021. Time was you could just control every aspect of your players' lives. So they really didn't have any choice but to put up with your robber baron company man mentality. And then he just keeps yelling at a cloud. So if you squinted at it right you could have made it to the end of September last season before figuring out exactly how bad Northwestern was, but you would have to take a generous approach. Well, um, because the first game of the year was the game against Michigan state where of course 
the main thing that we took from that was, okay, so what exactly happened here? Is Michigan State good or is Northwestern bad? And the answer, as it turns out, was yes. I thought you were asking what had happened because it was somebody's bachelor party and you just have a, an alcohol-induced fog of the entire evening. Well, kind of. We missed the first <laughs> two touchdowns because Northwestern had four people <laughs> working the gates that night. I'm right. <laughs> Thank you for your money. Now, please go away. Yeah, but it, it, anyway, it became apparent pretty quickly that Kenneth Walker III was going to get over on a few defenses. So that data point you could kind of look past. And then they often lose those early season non-conference games to teams like Duke and Stanford. So you can kind of look past that. The Nebraska game where they go into Lincoln against an absolutely flatlining Cornhusker team and just get absolutely taken down. to You could say that a 56-7 to loss was the first cause for concern. Yeah, that's where it's like, okay, something maybe isn't quite right here. Uh, <laughs> so um, what? Do, another thing, Northwest, some, something that Northwestern has in common with Indiana, another team that we saw early in the preview series, is that they rode the quarterback carousel. Uh, very seldom do you have three or more guys – starting multiple games in a season and it works out right this is just cycling one ineffective option after another and unless they make a move in the portal which as of a couple days ago they hadn't it seems like they're going to be stuck with ryan Holinsky full-time this year um, hunter johnson transferring back to clemson for some reason where they have an established starter um and then Andrew Marty's just had enough of this crap. As far as I can tell, he's just done. I don't know if he's coming, if he could come back or if he's out of eligibility or what, but it does not seem like he's coming back. Um, offensively, they don't lose a ton of other guys. Um, Sam Garak, the center is done. Stefan Robinson was a one-year import from Kansas. He was good. He'll be missed. But mm-hmm. otherwise, a lot of continuity from a unit that was really disappointing. Yeah, it, it really was. And... I mean, it looks like Hilinski is going to be the starter at quarterback this year, but, you know, there's another junior, Carl Richardson, who's down there. Um, you know, I think Cats fans, if we're being really optimistic, are looking forward to um, a local product named Jack Roush, who might kind of be, a, you know, a future dual threat-ish kind of option. He's out of Brother Rice High School in Chicagoland. Um, you know, kind of that that Great White Hope-ish kind of, uh, kind of thing. But, you know, it's... What I mean, what is Mike Bajakin going to put on the field? Um, you know, it, it, there's been been question after question of, you know, hey, another offensive coordinator who's also coaching our quarterbacks, and like, you know, we've seen this before. I mean, all he has to do now is run the speed option on third and five, and he's going to pull off a mask, and like, you know, Freddie Velma and the entire gang are going to yell, "Oh my God!" You know, it's it's Mick McCall. <laughs> it's old man McCall. <laughs> old man. Now McCall let's see who this. Thundering offensive coordinator really is. <laughs> Jinkies, it's old man McCall. Uh, yeah, and when you have situations like this where your head coach is defensively <laughs> oriented and the system kind of doesn't change regardless of whether it's working or not, there's always the question posed of, well, you can be mad at the offensive coordinator if you want, but isn't he probably just doing what the defensive-minded head coach wants, which is usually running. <laughs> this usually comes up in the context of, a team running a very conservative, ineffective offense that is low risk and does not put pressure on the defense, at least. Although, and I alluded to this again in another callback to the Indiana episode, 
you can say that I'm not putting pressure on my defense because we're not turning it over and we're getting decent field position. But if your defense has to pitch a shutout, that's putting a lot more pressure on your defense than a sudden change would. So anyway, the the one thing we do, you know, we can't acknowledge if we do want to be optimistic for some reason on offense. And I mean, I don't necessarily endorse such a position. Um, You know, there's, you have you'll have two redshirt seniors on the on the right side of the offensive line, um, in uh, in Charlie Schmidt and Ethan Wiedercare, and you'll have the entire we think I mean until somebody dies in preseason workouts or something, we'll have the entire uh, backfield back. So Cam Porter made a name for himself in the Big Ten Championship that we allegedly played in once against Ohio State. Um, he'll be back from injury. Anthony Tyus that's third is decent. Uh, our I believe Bowling Green transfer Andrew Clare has been just fine, and Evan Hall is still liable to get 500 yards in two games against Ohio and Southern Illinois or whoever the hell we have on the you know on the um, on the schedule this year. So five guys in the backfield, all of whom I feel relatively confident in, which is a nice thing. Um, whether or not though, you know, this is an offensive line and a scheme that can actually do something unpredictable, um, you know. I think as unpredictable as this offense gets right now is lining Cam Porter up as the Wildcat quarterback and just running power left or right. Now, do um, you think Kirk Ferentz has somehow tamed <laughs> and weaponized the angry Iowa running back hating God? Because God, I, think- I think I think part of it was calming him down by by not feeding Tyler Goodson anywhere near as much as his talent deserved, and then by doing <laughs> that, it appears that that God has really gone after Northwestern hard. Boy, it only took him, you know, 23 years on the job and all of uh, Dollar Bill Barter's, uh, you know, resources behind him. But God damn it, he just might have done it. Now they just say that, holy shit. There's been quite a chain of guys who were the guy after Justin Jackson. And then... I mean, Isaiah Bowser was like two two years ago? Yep, and then and then had a had a hell of a year at UCF last year, I believe, until he got hurt. And yeah, yeah, but we didn't need him, you know. That uh, you know, we didn't need to keep feeding him the ball, and that's that's partially unfair. Bowser was was becoming relatively inefficient. He wasn't being able to hit holes and kind of create space for himself the way he had in the past. But you know, how much of that is a product of his ability as a rusher, and you know, how much of that is a product of hey, this offensive line, you know, just is fine, but it's not. You well, know, the thing is, when you select Bowser, you're obviously getting a great deal of, of power, but you're you're giving up acceleration, right? <laughs> you know, what you really want is more of a Mario and get more balance there. <laughs> oh, I will be glad when he's... Uh, maybe he's graduated and these jokes can stop someday, but yeah, that's... Yeah, but so... In terms of the other skill guys, um, you know, Charlie Mangieri returns as I think the language has become tight end, correct? Um, <sighs> Fire but Jake Ian. He's coming back to super back. He's a veteran, but he's also kind of just a guy. He's a blocker. Uh, yeah. That's... Yeah. So not a heavy feature in the offense. Robinson was a nice guy that you could, I mean, despite a, his small size, he was great on contested balls. Um, they are going to return Malik Washington and Bryce Kurtz, kind of their top two-ish. Yeah, top two. That's fair. Yeah. And both serviceable enough. So, again, combined with that stable of running backs, there are tools here. Um, but, again, the line hasn't exactly 
given the quarterbacks the best situations to flourish and the quarterback play is really the thing that they haven't been able to paper over. Absolutely. Um, you know, wh- where exactly, I mean, why the spigot of noodle armed, but very accurate quarterbacks was turned off at some point. It's hard to say, but man, um, since USFL standout Clayton Thorson moved on, <laughs> it has been a real challenge to find somebody who comes up to that level of play. So that's obvious. I mean, all the other stuff doesn't really matter that much. If the guy throwing the ball turns it over three times a game and completes less than 60% of his passes. Would you describe this quarterback search as uh, almost by this point, a, a Kafka esque nightmare? I want to die. <laughs> Are you being persecuted? Oh my God. Oh, that just, my God. It, it sets itself up so well. Um, and the other problem that Northwestern had is, you know, the offense really, I bet if you looked at the advanced stats a little deeper than I did, you would probably find it's not that much worse than it has been recently. The problem, though, was the defense absolutely fell off a cliff in the first season after Mike Hankwitz's retirement. And they lost some personnel, too. But look, I, whatever the broadcasts wanted to tell you, uh, Patty Fisher and Greg Newsom should not have been the difference between the 2020 and 2021 defenses for Northwestern. Um, their recruiting has gotten to a level at least where you ought to have some guys in the pipeline. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see this year because they're going to have more turnover, especially in the front seven. Um, Chris Bergen is the last of that standout group of three backers they had from a few years. He's gone now. A bunch of them. Andrew is frozen. Here, I was worried it was me. It just told me my internet was unstable. Hmm. Well, I'm not entirely sure where Andrew is. He appears to have uh, frozen on us. I'm going to say he's smugly making a point, too. Indeed. Indeed, he does. (laughs) Um, I see his head has moved again. Ah, okay. I'm back in motion. I could get up and move, but I'd have to move the whole apparatus. Um, anyway, I don't think it's too much of a problem. So, of course, the absolute kick in the balls was the one centerpiece you had that you thought you might have for another couple years. Guy who was an All-American as a redshirt freshman, safety Brandon Joseph, uh, transferring and going to Notre Dame, no less. So, uh, that's got to be a sign that there's something off here. Uh, MNW, you're thoughts on what's going on with the defense is it really just coordinator turnover or what's the problem here you know i think it's i think it probably can just be chalked up to coordinator turnover and for somebody like brendan joseph um you know in a in a system where he's kind of the feature guy and and teams aren't necessarily going to throw at him all the time or throw his direction on the field there's not a chance to put up that tape to get the kind of the draft stock ready to, I mean, hell even earn some of the NIL stuff that the Notre Dame offers. It's, you know, you it's look a pretty at easy sell also for the team that just put Kyle Hamilton out as the Thorpe winner and absolutely. the team picking the draft, I think. Not to mention Marcus Freeman is a very respected defensive coach. Yeah. Much a very easy pitch for him to make to say, Hey, I'm, I run the defense here. I have been, and you kind of remind me of this guy who I just put it in the first round. So um, pretty easy to see, make that connection. Although again, 
Newsom went in the first round too. It's not like Northwestern hasn't had any draft success there. So um, we'll move kind of to roster additions now. So operating with the typical academic restrictions, there's not a whole lot of freedom to move in the portal, but they did add some pieces. Ah, Andrew has frozen again. Um, and Ryan Johnson from Stanford, Tyshawn Holmes from UMass, uh, Lyme Pitt, and I'm frozen again. Yes, I have no idea how that's going to come out. Um, all I know is that as soon as you invoked Ryan Johnson, all of a sudden my expectations were totally subverted as the audience. Um, <laughs> I just, I never saw it coming. Uh, but that's a, that's a punter that you're importing from the Pac-12 and not from Utah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Utah folks are necessarily looking to come here, um, but we will, uh, we're certainly, what's his first name, Luke Akers? Is that what it is? Yeah. Heir to the Akers throne, I assume, and to the fortune. I think he's he's David Akers' son. Um, no, I mean, he looks like a decent punter, and I think he's here because he wanted to be a place kicker too. Um, finally, we are rid of Charlie Kubander. Um, uh, he of the sub-50% kicking in in. 2021 which just is like 1980s Illini levels of bad and um yeah you know it's and of the, it's not end of the mysterious benching during a point where a two-point conversion didn't make any sense mm-hmm. yeah no, it, that's gonna it, be uh, his legacy for me I just I'm no you're you're absolutely right and I it's just, I mean, something's got to change. And it's it, there's been kind of the talk is that the reason that special teams coordinator and failed Eastern Michigan head coach Jeff Janik is still here is because the <clears throat> Cats punt return and kick return, well, I'm sorry, punt uh, coverage and kick coverage units have been good. Um, but, I mean, at some point, I don't know if you need to get the witch doctor in or you need to do, something's got to give with this, with this kicking, uh, kicking game. You know, Derek Adams was fine, but never really progressed as a punter. Kubander got actively worse as a kicker. Um, you know, so hopefully Akers is the answer. Uh, we have a Michigan State transfer, Jake Olson, as well, a kicker who could be the uh, could be the thing. So, um, you know, it's there's potential, and I don't feel an existential sense of dread for the first time looking at our special teams in probably three, four years, maybe. So, you know, hey, positives. Thank God for small miracles. Yeah, and as per usual, the incoming prep recruiting class is decent, but not exactly going to be an immediate program changer. Yep. Uh, if you're looking for instant impact, guys, you can, of course, turn to perennial um, state of Illinois high school powerhouse, Neighborville <laughs> Central, um, which notably rides. named the Red Hawks, which is what you name your school when you kind of don't want people to forget that the name used to be racist. If, if you if you wanted people mm-hmm. to not think about that, you would have named it something else. Um, anyway, of course, to, there's to... also defensive lineman Austin Firestone from Niceville, Florida, which is one of the most made up sounding places that I've ever heard of, except that it used to be called. I know somebody from there. It used to be called Boggy Bayou, Florida. And so they petitioned to change it to Niceville because they realized their town name was too silly. So they changed it to Niceville. Uh, That's where the Emerald yeah. Coast Classic is, isn't it? One of those non-conference preseason basketball tournaments. I want to say it's in Niceville. Could 
Um, another possibility would be defensive end Anto Saka um, mm-hmm. coming to a defensive line with a ton of turnover and also hasn't really had an effective one-on-one edge rusher since Joe Gaziano moved on. Um, but again, that's about it. Um, it's mostly developmental guys after that. A few of the freshmen will probably play, but not really reasonable to expect a whole lot of them. So we'll look at the schedule and we're going to get a look at Northwestern early because they open in week zero against Nebraska, uh, a team that's Don't also me. in kind of a desperate spot. But hey, look, I'm looking at the schedule here and this game is at home at least. So, you know, you have to deal with the Nebraska fans. But uh, hold on. Hold on. I'm being told this game's being played in Ireland. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So how did this happen? Because does this have anything to do with our canceled Ireland game in week zero against Nebraska last year? Because because I thought we scheduled that. (laughs) Did Nebraska just inherit it once it got, like... That's so weird. It's got to be something to do with Sean Fine winning the election in Northern Ireland or something. Like it has to be related. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Pat Fitzgerald is the one who's going to reunite the island. Nah, Padre like Fitzgerald. Padre Fitzgerald coming home to. to so, anyway, that's the week zero date. Um, remember how that game went last uh, week? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Andrew is in uh, Andrew is in and out of the space time continuum, but uh, we do in fact believe that Pat Fitzgerald may be the chosen one to reunite the island after you know after all this time, and that 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 may be the reason this game is being played. It's possible. So the non-conference from there, um, three games: Duke. It was supposed to be Southern Illinois, but I was looking at ESPN schedule and they have Augsburg listed instead. So I don't know what that's about. Um, And also Miami over Ohio. Um, And because it's going to be September Northwestern, they will probably lose two of those games. It will be to Duke. It will be to Duke. It will be to Duke until the day that I die, and they will keep scheduling it and thinking it's a good idea. (laughs) The crossover is pretty challenging. Uh, Road trip to Penn State, road to Maryland, and Ohio State at home. Yep. So that does... And that's the problem is it's going to just say everything at once to be this year for Northwestern. Uh, in fact, Northwestern times after September 24th. Um, so if they're going to make their way back to a bowl, they got to pry wins out of the five win stretch that goes at Maryland at. At Ohio State, at Minnesota, Purdue, Illinois. <laughs> this is at home at Minnesota at Purdue at the moment. Um, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't I'm sure it is. I don't know what's going on with my connection, but it's apparently dropping in and out. I don't envy who's going to edit this. No, I mean it's it's a bad schedule. It's it's not. Con- I mean, you're going to have to go three and zero in the non-conference, and Northwestern isn't going to do that because it's just not what they do. Um, and you know, after that, you know, you're probably three most winnable games outside Illinois are at Maryland, at Minnesota, at Purdue. 
that's just that's not there's six wins aren't there they're just not i mean that's it's going to take that you know alleged you know even your magic this is just not a it's not not a bowl bound team in 2022 and it's you know that what we need to see is progress out of Fitzgerald whether it's finding a quarterback in an offense whether it's finally firing Jim O'Neill after Maryland scores 50 on us and in uh, in College Park it just there needs to be some sign of progress because otherwise I mean they're just going to keep hemorrhaging and hemorrhaging any of the goodwill that he's built up because the thing is in 2018 they weren't following a disaster of a season now they opened off the season very inauspiciously but the fact is they had a four-year starter at quarterback right um a fourth-year starter quarterback they had plenty of experience it wasn't necessarily obviously you never expect northwestern to you know run the table from that point forward but that wasn't a thing where it would have been completely unthinkable especially because they had a quarterback a steady hand at quarterback 2020, of course, they followed an awful 2019 season, and we thought that, of course, 2020 was weird, but Peyton Ramsey, we said, was better than most of the starting quarterbacks in the Big Ten, given them that steady hand, had some experience there. Certainly didn't think they would be as good as they were, but you could kind of make a case. I don't really see what the case is this time. No, I, I, I'm there with you. I mean, I, I see a road to maybe four or five wins if they – if they catch, you know, if they catch Miami of Ohio on a bad day, like that's where we're at is like, Ooh, I don't know. Can they topple the Red Hawks at home? Well, the most, the thing I'm most interested to see is can they contain the magic of big time Tommy DeVito <laughs> or whichever one of the three Jersey quarterbacks that we have on our roster, just having just offered a fourth uh, will survive the season gauntlet. That is Illinois. <laughs> Here's the just stockpiling them though that's a good idea it's smart yeah yeah, that's true you, you don't basically that means that you only ever have to import things from Wawa you don't have to go to a different place <laughs> for the rest of your quarterback room <laughs> well I can tell we put M&W in kind of a bad mood so let's change the topic to something that'll make him happier Northwestern basketball I got the razor blades let's do it <laughs> I mean, we have three and a half minutes left in our meeting. We could see if we could speed run this thing. Oh, yeah. Um, what's the play here if you're Chris Collins? Because despite returning the nucleus of the ostensibly most talented team in school history, uh, this team was freaking awful again. They were one win over a thoroughly middling Michigan State away from going 0 for January, and that was also their only ranked win of the season. Um, their non-con wasn't going to give them any postseason cred, and they started conference play one and four. They were dead in the water by mid-January. You know, it, it to your original question of you know what's the play? I mean, he, he's going to have to just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. I mean, it's if he wants to say you know go down saying he did it his way. I mean. What does that say, really, Chris? Like, 10 seasons, one NCAA tournament, and you're going to go down with, I mean, probably six, five consecutive, however many it is, Wednesday appearances in the Big Ten tournament. Like, I mean, go to a five-guard roster. Play three big guys on the court at once. Run a 1-3-1 zone. I'm just spitballing things here. Um, you know, do think, do something that shows that you're fighting. I, I just got told by a buddy that Northwestern dropped all its season ticket prices for basketball this year. Like, 
they they are clearly aware. And AD Derek Gregg put Collins on notice, came out and gave, gave the statement of like, Coach Collins knows that this season was unacceptable. Do, 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 do. It, I mean, it, it really has kind of dead man walking kinds of vibes. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be, you know, can him now for all I give a shit. I don't see Northwestern getting any, you know, better or worse in the next two years if you fire him now. As it stands, he'll play out this, you know, play out the season probably. They'll go six and fourteen in the Big Ten, you know, have the eleven seed and wind up losing to Nebraska in the opening round of the Big Ten tournament, and we'll all, you know, go home and pretend this never happened. It could be an interesting experiment in addition by subtraction. So Pete Nance, perhaps the most frustrating player mm-hmm. to watch in recent Big Ten history, is both in the portal and in the NBA draft process. So whatever he's, he's doing, he's not coming back. No, he's gone. Uh, Elijah Williams was a one-year transfer, so he's yep. as well. He's kind of a role player, not terrible, but not a program savior by any means. And so they replaced those two guys, experienced guys, with um, a combo forward from UTEP. That would be Titus Verhaven and uh, prep power forward Luke Hunger. So improving the name game at least, mm-hmm. but a guy outside the top 250 recruits nationally. That's just that's a player that does not profile as an impact as a freshman. Um, it's Collins' same kind of try, you know, just let's get more forwards, let's get more stretch guys, let's try to play positionless, you know, Duke five out basketball. And, you know, it, I don't know if you guys saw recently, but Ryan Young is going to Duke. Like the, the center, wow. the center who couldn't fucking start at Northwestern is going to Duke and going to be a role player. And Chris Collins is going to say, well, you know, that's kind of his role, or he, you know, we wish him the best. And he's going to go there and do the exact same thing. And he's going to, you know, excel or, or get the same kinds of minutes and points. And it's just going to be a testament to the fact that, that Collins just does not have answers. I, I just, what do you say? I mean, the, the, the kind of the existential like, crisis for Northwestern basketball fans is, you know, he got us to the tournament. He did the thing that was supposedly undoable. And he did it with a team, perhaps most frustratingly now looking at, you know, great, he's brought in Titus Verheven, you know, and we have some, you know, Dutchman who might not be Dutch on the team and we've got this Luke Hunger and that wasn't the team that brought him to the dance at the same time, you know? Like it was Derek Pardon, it was Nate Taphorn, it was Sanjay fucking Lumpkin and Bryant McIntosh. Like these these misfit, God love them, just these misfit weirdos who brought them to the dance because they did everything short of slapping the floor and doing exactly what, you know, the the dookies of the Collins era did. And and Instead, Collins decided, nope, that's not what got me there. What what got me there was having you know a whole bunch of guys who are all six seven or six eight and can't shoot the ball for shit. Have two point guards who are going to run around and just jack shit up recklessly. And you know, fuck it, we're not. I just I do not understand how you can look at something that worked, man. It worked, and say now, nope, that wasn't what did it. Like with Pat Fitzgerald in football, to to turn around and say, yep, nope, it's it's clearly my genius on defense, and it's the fact that we're just going to run the ball 55 times a game. No. Like, I, sometimes when I'm at Northwestern games, I'll sit, you know, 15, 20 rows behind Dan Persa, and we'll just look at the back of his head and just look at him, like, shaking his head and just laughing at how stupid some of this shit is. And you're just sitting there thinking, like, do they talk to him anymore? Like, do these players, like, do they understand? to have just two leaders at the top of both sports right now that just seems so unwilling 
to stop and honestly reflect and remember what got them there is just fucking incredible. And that's the hope with, you know, if, if I'm going to cling to a silver lining right now, it's the new athletic director, Derek Gregg, who's going to force some kind of, you know, level of introspection and change in the program if you're not going to continue to live up to that. But as of right now, I mean, I guess I have more faith nominally in Northwestern football, which isn't the question you asked me, but this is my therapy session. So thank you both for listening. Um, you know, it's and all 20 listeners of this podcast too. Um, you know, whoa, thanks, whoa, to, whoa, whoa, thanks whoa. to all of it. My bad. 40, 40. <laughs> Are we up to 40 now? 40 subscribers. I, Steve's the guy to oh. have that more. So <laughs> oh, I'm going to call corporate right away and let them know. Maybe they'll even change the commenting system back. Oh, we've had we've had triple digit uh, unique downloads on a lot of these. God, I could smooch you right on the mouth. <laughs> you know, lost in the sauce there. I was not aware Ryan Young had transferred to Duke, but I will say one thing: at least Joey Hauser's long nightmare is finally over. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do with yourself in basketball season. I honestly don't. I'm concerned for you because who will you get mad at now? <laughs> well, uh, given that the down maybe the last six, eight weeks of the season, Hauser was arguably MSU's best player. It's a weird place to be in, man. <laughs> um, I don't know what Tom Izzo's thinking with his front court. He just added um, another recruit to the 22 class. I was like, oh, yeah, be excellent, a center. And it's like, uh, he's very much a developmental prospect. They're going to redshirt him. They, <laughs> they're, they're adding a center, but they're going to redshirt him. I'm like, you need a tall guy who can play right now. And like they're they're showing no urgency in filling the empty assistant spot. Um, they're not going to lose any more players because the portal's closed now, I believe. But uh, <laughs> every day goes by, more of the viable options are picking other schools. Um, they were supposedly in on a wing from Oakland, Micah Parrish. He ended up going to San Diego State. So I don't know, man. I, I see a lot of the MSU old heads saying, you know, with the smug look on their faces, y'all are doubting Tom. Tom's got a plan. I'm like, all right, well, at some point, it needs to go from being a blueprint to bricks on the ground. Because uh, well, at least at least somebody believes that Tom has a plan. Because I can assure you that in Evanston, very few people believe that either Collins or Fitz at this point has a plan. Well, I don't. I mean, like until like. Until January or February, I was pretty sure Rizzo was going to hang it up after this coming season because his kid's going to be a senior, and that would be like a, you know, that's, that's like a capstone emotional moment. Um, but man, he started talking like he's going to be around for multiple additional seasons. Um, does have a pretty excellent point guard committed for the twenty three class, so he convinced that kid he's going to be around for a while. Um, but it's like after spending a decade constructing his roster entirely out of power forwards, now he's trying to build it entirely out of point guards. Um, and then at some point, inevitably, he's going to be complaining about, well, I got a lot of weird shaped guys. It's like, dude, you've been here for like 30 fucking years, man. You pick these guys. <laughs> so. Well, like, I, and I have to say, like, although Pat Fitzgerald would have been the single worst person that could have been picked to coach the Green Bay Packers in the Aaron Rodgers era. Um, <laughs> it would have been so funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't deny it would have been unbelievably funny. Like, as, as much as Rodgers hated McCarthy by the end of the time there, uh, he would start on day one, he would hate Pat Fitzgerald 50 times more. Okay, uh, so, serious thought experiment then. If 
say the pa- say the Packers had hired Fitzgerald at the beginning of last season. Forget about what's his fuck um, Lafleur. Pretend he wasn't there and that McCarthy had just gotten fired. If they had hired Fitzgerald at the beginning of last season, does he last longer in the NFL than Urban Meyer? <laughs> yes, he gets fired. For- <laughs> Absolutely, no question. But Fitz- with Fitzgerald, you, got, you know, I simply, you know. I think he he believes an awful lot in in his ability to get things done the way that he currently sees it. But it's been one season. It's hard for me to believe that he won't, um, you know, that he'll waste more than two seasons trying to do something futile. Um, Chris Collins, on the other hand, I just I just don't know. I mean, for me, with basketball season, the main thing I'm looking for for I'm curious about. My biggest question is what sort of final destination style Rube Goldberg device will, will unfold to have Illinois lose to Maryland this time. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's like final destination watching that. It's like, you know, they're going to lose to Maryland. The question is how, how is it going to happen? It'll be an excellent triangle of suck this year at the bottom. When Northwestern wins in Maryland, Maryland beats Illinois and then Illinois beats Northwestern by like 50 to end the season. That'll be a lot oh, of fun. Uh, hold on a second. Cause if we're doing that, we get, we're previewing next week's episode. Now, when we talk about Nebraska basketball, the numbers that Fred Hoiberg has put up in these first three seasons are truly ghastly, but again, in a bid to pump up those uh, 20 subscription numbers, as you've so generously put it. I'm those numbers are so ghastly. They are, by the way, I do appreciate everything that you I do appreciate everything that you do, by the way. I should have I should have led with that before just you know, going I mean, at your subscription. Job promoting this, we could probably get considerably more reach if we were better about that. Um, I just <laughs> be arsed, as the soccer fans would say. I don't I don't think our overlords can be arsed either. I think you know there's they're not listening to the end anyway. So you know we that's... we used to get hilariously small paychecks for this one, but they they stopped well over a year ago. It's like I'm worried that if I ask about them, they'll be like, "Oh, well, shit, you're still on our network. Oh, shit, we got to fix that." <laughs> right, like they fixed the glitch. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so whatever, we're not paying hosting costs, so it's good. It's all good. There you go. Well, there's the, there's the silver lining. Yeah, I don't think we got into this to make it big. So, <laughs> so anyway, that brings us to the conclusion of the Northwestern episode of Off Talk Empire B1G 2022. On behalf of MN Wildcat and Steve Braun, this has been Andrew Krzyzewski. We thank you all for listening. And as always, go Cats. What we've learned during Northwestern Week. Northwestern Week. Three and nine, here we come. Your source for big and talk. It's off tackle. Empire.